AlienLegacy.html is brought to you by the fine folks at the Cage Club Network. For all things movies, media, music, comics, and more, check out CageClub.me. That's CageClub.me. I'm Nico. And I'm Kevo. And this is HTML 100. Woo! For the hundredth time, this is Husbands Talking More or Less 100 episodes. Wow. Yeah, you know, and I feel like some of these took a hundred takes to get right, but for the most part, this has been the most incredible investigation of media franchises that we love, and I can't believe we've covered so many things at this point. Absolutely. We've done the Marvel Cinematic Universe in its entirety, including its two other tie-in products, the Sony Spider-Verse in the form of Spider-Man, as well as the Incredible Hulk over at Paramount Studios, lol. So we've also taken a look at the Fox Marvel-Verse. We've taken shots, I guess, at Power Rangers Around Christmas, the Alien Predator franchise, Freeform's epic rap battle. We've poked fun at the New Mutants as much as anybody possibly can before finding ourselves over in Star Wars, where we've taken a look at everything from the proper episodes to the animated series to Gendy Tartakovsky's now-lost Clone Wars. Lost, you say? Lost, I do say. As a matter of fact, this project has involved looking at a lot of these franchises for as holistic an experience as we could. And that's led to some interesting discoveries, like the number of these that were just about impossible to get our hands on. Some of these like what, Nico? Well... To start things off, our look at the Marvel Universe was as complete as we could possibly make it. Now, that included everything, including the Marvel one-shots, as well as the Marvel News Front videos that were associated with Ant-Man. I think it's important to note that while Marvel had collected and released the Marvel one-shots with their accompanying film... There is no official release of all of the one-shots. They have not made a new one since 2014, though there has been discussion of bringing them back. And moreover, Marvel News Front is not currently available in any official format. Yeah, we had to find it on YouTube, and there are even a few different sources, and the person that we eventually watched it from was one of the creatives who worked on it and has in the description acknowledgement that Marvel Studios has the right to ask him to take it down. So it's really interesting how part of our project here was to take a look at as much of this as completely as we could. And I think, especially for Marvel, it goes a little bit deeper than that as well, because there are shorts and videos and clips that are essentially in character of the characters from these films that are almost impossible to find and were distributed through some of the most bizarre methods. To touch back a little bit on the Disney company's history of things like this, the Disney Vault is famous for having a number of films and media that have been released for short periods and uh, on bonus discs or in a two-pack, and that's the only way to get it. But something that became popular in the mid-aughts was catch-up episodes and recap episodes to help people stay current on shows like Lost and Desperate Housewives and Grey's Anatomy, which had such specifically canon-heavy stories. They would do these kind of like 
airing out the dirty laundry on Wisteria Lane, kind of desperate housewives catch-ups. Now, the first few were voiced by the narrator of the show, Mary Alice Young, who was played by Brenda Strong. But later episodes were not quite as lovingly dubbed over. Now, because these didn't get any new material other than the voiceover work and the production edit, which of course deserves a ton of credit, these were only released as bonus discs, either with the Best Buy version of the DVD set in the case of Lost, or the Target exclusive DVD set in the case of Desperate Housewives. Mm, usually slipped into some sort of cardboard sleeve and shrink-wrapped to the full set. Absolutely. And those would go on to gain a lot of value on the collector's market. Specifically, that Lost bonus disc that went with the first season had a lot of material on it that wasn't released any other way later on. Now, the Disney company continued to use that with Spider-Man, as a matter of fact. The Spider-Man trailers associated with Far From Home were intentionally created as a method of circumventing having to give away too much having to do with Avengers Endgame beforehand. That ultimately led to people wondering where that footage was going to be. Now, we talked extensively about the domestic and international Spider-Man Far From Home trailers as soon as they were released here on HTML. Now, that put it a little bit out of order in our coverage, but we were shocked to find out that that material was not in the film when the film came out. And it's a strange amalgam of things that were shot exclusively for trailers and things that were scenes from the film that ultimately got deleted for time. And a lot of this footage ended up being cobbled together in a re-release of Spider-Man in fall of 2019 into a short called Peter's To-Do List. So they even found a way of using footage that they had used in trailers but not in the movie before the movie was even out of theaters, which wrap your head around that. It's not just the production of that movie that has sort of a weird tie-in product story to it. Before Spider-Man Far From Home came out, a tie-in product associated with Spider-Man Homecoming led to an actor being cast in Spider-Man Far From Home. And it's really funny. We don't normally watch TV that has advertisements in it because we watch things like Hulu where we have the the account where we don't need the ads but at the time of Spider-Man Homecoming I can't remember why we were watching something that we were frequently getting ads and I remember seeing that ad with Tom Holland as Peter Parker and J.B. Smoove as the driving instructor and when he popped up in Spider-Man Far From Home it was a delightful surprise and to to learn that it was a direct result of those commercials. Again, I don't know that that's something I can even think of a comparison for. To point to the fact that this is a very Disney thing to do, whether it's things like, if you lived in the Northeast and you went to a movie at any point from the year like 2003 to the year 2015, you saw Frankie and the Frogs remind you to please silence your cell phones based on a two-minute clip from Meet the Robinsons set to I Heard It Through the Grapevine right? Disney loves making commercials part of the experience. Disney did a similar thing with the TV show Revenge, which had a famous bit in which Emily Van Camp, who would go on to play Sharon Carter in Captain America, she would say, when I was a little girl. And they did a commercial that was this family constantly rewinding this bit because they loved her doing it. And she breaks the fourth wall and is like, guys, seriously? Come on. And this idea that the commercial can be just as much part of the experience and ultimately 
influence the outcome product, I think, is a lot why the Marvel Cinematic Universe has been so successful. The comic tie-ins have, you know, done what they've done, but they haven't really affected the way people enjoyed the Marvel Cinematic Universe the way these cute little tie-ins have. They're a small way that the Marvel Universe has said, hey, we like our fans. It's just a shame that so many of them are either hard to find or long gone. I feel like they just aren't marketed correctly, or maybe I'm not the audience they are trying to court, and I respect that, but I am certainly an audience member who would rapidly eat these things up. There was a, I don't even remember what the product was that the commercial was for, but it featured Robert Downey Jr., it featured John Favreau, it featured Tom Holland, it featured, it featured DJ Khalid, and it was a commercial. And I got a huge kick out of it, but as someone, as I mentioned, who doesn't regularly watch advertisements, it's not something that I ever caught. It's something that I had to discover in my research for this program. While a lot of the material that we discussed was harder to find, some of the material we've been looking at is about to get incredibly easy to find. Disney Plus has announced that it has either already or will be adding the vast majority of the Fox Marvelverse to its library, which will make streaming most of the X-Men movies easier than ever. Of course, I have to assume that rated R Deadpool will not find its way onto Disney Plus, although perhaps the PG-13 recuts that they released around the holidays last year may find their ways onto Disney Plus. After all, they were in a desperate bid to further increase the highest rated R ranking of all time. That's a really, really smart point. They would probably put the R rated Deadpool on Hulu and I think it was even Christmas themed too. And yeah, that would be very clever of them. I know they purposefully produced additional footage and alternate takes for Deadpool 2 with the expressed intent of making a PG-13 Deadpool edit easier to produce. And what an interesting spin on having two alternate takes of a film available through two different media streaming formats. I feel like normally when there is a movie or a director's cut, it's either one or the other that's going to be going to all the streaming networks. And you have to hunt down the other version on some form of physical media. So I think it would be a lot smarter to put two different versions on two different platforms. And while the future of the Deadpool franchise is a little bit confusing, rumors that Deadpool 3 might not happen, however, there is a lot of talk about a possible X-Force movie featuring Deadpool. Before we could get to X-Force, you're really supposed to touch on the New Mutants, and uh, I don't think anybody's going to get to touch the New Mutants anytime soon. Now, there's a lot- No one should be touching the New Mutants, first of all. This is true. There's a lot to be said about the legalities surrounding releasing this film. It turns out there is a clause in the contract that all Fox-produced films that Disney inherited must be released to theaters. Additionally, they have to go to HBO Max first through 2022. So if Disney chooses not to release New Mutants to theaters this summer, or shortly thereafter, they're going to have to sit on this movie or just give it away for free. So while New Mutants may at this moment still kind of be lost media, it can't stay lost because Disney is unwilling to lose some element of this buyout like that. Fascinatingly, 
you could then consider it lost forwards in time. We have a guarantee that this will somehow be released, but we don't know when that's going to be. It makes me think all the way back to Joss Whedon and Drew Goddard's film Cabin in the Woods and how that went through release hell for several years. Speaking of release hell, it would be impossible to talk about the landscape of comic book films and Joss Whedon in our time without touching, I guess, on the fucking Justice League Zack Snyder cut. If we're going to talk about HBO Max, and we're going to talk about Joss Whedon, and we're going to talk about superhero movies, let's touch on this for a moment. It turns out there is no Zack Snyder cut, and they have to invest some extraordinary number, like $30 million, to finish the film so that there can be a Zack Snyder cut. So it is not true that it has been sitting in a box this whole time. It is now being edited together. And it has led to some weird things about the Joss Whedon tenure on the DCEU. So it's fabled lost media that never existed and now needs to be built. Like the parts existed. So like imagine that there was no Frankenstein monster, but rather the row, like the big body and some bolts. He just had a bunch of body parts, but not even all the body parts to make a full body. It's just he was going to make a Frankenstein monster. And all he needs now is another $30 million. Goodness. But, you know, HBO Max, kind of like the dark horse that I don't think anybody saw coming, buying up friends, getting a friends reunion, delaying that friends reunion till after COVID so it never has to happen. I think they have certainly pushed boundaries in a way that superheroes needed with Watchmen and the secondary purchase of so many of the DCEU properties over onto their streaming service. So one of the most famous crossovers that the DC Universe ever had in its comics was that of Superman versus Predator. So we gotta talk for a moment about our precious trip through the Alien Predator-verse. Nice transition. Thank you. I thought I'd get there. The Alienverse had so many facets I could have never dreamed of. I walked away finding out that there's a ton more media that we never knew about even during our run. Alien has in the last several years worked to create a more cohesive timeline involving novelizations and then full cast audio dramas inserting stories into the chronology such that there is an adventure for Ripley between Alien and Aliens in which she wakes up, has her memory purged, and goes back into cryostasis. Ugh, I hate memory wipe stories though. Once upon a time abused the crap out of it. As did Star Wars, but we're gonna get there in a moment. Huh. Moreover, I found it disheartening to find out the amount of alien material that is actually not readily available. While things like the car commercial that ties into Covenant that has nothing to do with anything but sure did get made and can't be canon is easily found on the internet, you cannot for the life of you get your hands on a copy of the Whalen yutani Report, a limited edition book produced with so much canon. It's not available digitally, it's not still available online, however... If you go to, like, a Walmart or a Target, the walls are lined with constant repackagings of Alien, Alien vs. Predator, and the Predator films. It's unfortunate that some of the material we covered for these films, Alien vs. Predator in particular, turned out to be kind of a waste, while other material that we never got to touch on can't be found. Of course, we did start covering the Alien franchise just in time to take a look at all of the Alien 3s that were never meant to exist, and got to take a look at that audio drama as well as that comic series. Though... 
none of those compared to our holiday offerings, in which we took a look at three episodes of Power Rangers, and yet again, one of them, not available anymore. No, it is not readily available for purchase from anywhere that I have seen. You can find it on YouTube, but that's not the same thing. And I think it raises a lot of points about what things are available on YouTube versus the things that end up getting taken down for completely fair copyright reasons. But especially something like this that you can't get anywhere anymore. Otherwise, it would be lost to time. And I don't necessarily think anybody's clamoring for Alpha's Magical Christmas. I mean... I'm dreaming of a White Ranger and a season to remember are at least a little less ridiculous. No, a season to remember was the one with that little girl singing. I thought Alpha's Magical Christmas was the one without the Rangers at all where they just sing Christmas carols in the command center. Yeah, but still, a season to remember was the, the, it was the annoying little girl. It oh, was I mean, horrible. I'm not disagreeing with you. Uh, but it did have Tanya. However, nothing will ever compare to the holiday experience that was Rap Battle. And we made Joey do that with us, too. Rap Battle was everything to us, and sadly, Freeform has not chosen to keep it online in any meaningful way. It is not on Hulu, and more upsetting than anything is it seems to have been, like, scrubbed from the internet. You can't even find this one on YouTube, which is killing me. And I feel that that is bizarre for a program like this. There are a lot, a lot of really bad reality competition shows out there starring any number of celebrities that have not been as heavily purged as this program. There was nothing deeply problematic about this show, so it does leave me kind of scratching my head going, where did the time go? Why, why did we, why did, why, why no rap battle? And speaking of where did the time go, we find ourselves at the end of our HTML 100 run with some Star Wars. Now, we've been talking extensively about the Clone Wars for quite a while, but the big lost medias, I think, that you have to talk about with Star Wars are, whether it's an older cut or an animated series, things that are really getting hard to find. The old Older cuts of the episodes have become rarer and rarer, with specific edition VHSs and Laserdiscs being the only way to get a number of the editions of the episode films. And then there's the Gendy Tartakovsky Clone Wars, no longer available in print and not available on Disney+, or the 80s Animated Fair, not available in print or on Disney+. I don't think people are as upset at not getting their hands on copies of droids and Ewoks. I mean, there are people. I'm not going to take that away from them. I think you will find more upset fans at not having access to the Gendi. We ourselves were impressed enough by it that we devoted a whole three episodes to the piece that was, what, two and a half hours? Because we thought that it was such a beautiful and interesting take on the Star Wars universe. I agree. I also find myself disappointed that I believe the live-action Ewok adventures are kind of lost to time, if I'm not mistaken. I haven't checked. I hope not. They probably are, though. And again, they're not phenomenal, but it's a specific choice not to make them accessible anymore. And that's actually how I feel about, like, Star Tours. I love a lot of the theme park offerings that Star Wars can no longer offer because there's only so much space in a theme park. Kevo, I have loved every minute of this last hundred episodes with you, and I can't wait to finish out Star Wars. And a thousand trillion percent, I am very excited about our upcoming surprise visit to a rather fantastic universe full of four. Nice. Thank you. Kevo, until we come back to this amazing program, where can everybody find you online? 
You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Kevoreally, K-E-V-O-R-E-A-L-L-Y. And you can find me on the Facebook page for this lovely program, Husbands Talking More or Less, at Real Nico Kevo Action. You can also find the awesome, super-inclusive superhero stories that we've been telling the last few years over at KidRiotComics.com. Nico, where can the folks at home find you? You guys can find us all over this amazing network on Mondays and Thursdays over on Exodus for Podcasts, where we take a look at the X-Men comic book franchise. Don't forget to look me up over on Instagram and Twitter at Nico Action. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. And guys, until we come back, it's been awesome doing this 100 and I can't wait to do 100 more with this guy. And may the four be with you. Oh, and check us out on fan uh, on uh, that car racing movie show. Joey does it. The, the car racing movie. Too Fast, Too Forever. Catch us on that. Nice save. Love you, Joey. It's $90 what for is? a two-pack of Caravan of Courage and Battle for Endor. And, and it's, I'm sure, um, what do you call it? DVD. And it's not legit. No, it looks legit. Really? And it's... Well, you know, the season is very and bright, and it's the HTML holiday special time. Nico, Kevin, and Jonah bringing you that holiday smile. So Joey